1: The schedule is out. The Ravens projected to go 17-0 and this week on Pod Like a Raven. Coming in hot right off the top. It's a 17-0 and season. Number one seed. Get a bye. Uh, and then I'm not going to talk about what happens in the playoffs with this team. I'm Antonio Barbera, excited to talk Ravens football. It's been a couple of weeks since we were last on. I, I think the decompression of Lamar Jackson being a permanent member of this team, so many so many storms have calmed for this franchise in the past month, and it's good to come on the show and just talk about fun stuff, like which teams the Ravens are playing, when, and just how many dubs they're going to stack. Let me bring in my co host on the East Coast, Tim, Horsey, Tim. It's a it's a different mood uh,
2: on the episode, but it's but it's positive, which is good. The vibes are good, man. The vibes are good. The vibes are great. We were talking before record in our little pre production meeting. This is the first time in a very very long time that everything is just swell. Like when I just have a random thought about the Ravens, which as as people that listen to this podcast know, is often. Um, it's more just like, ah, that's in that great. Rather than like, oh, God, I can't believe we're doing this right now. What has happened to this franchise? Everything is great. And like Antonio said, I look at the schedule and I'm like, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Which means we'll go, you know, 9 and 8 or whatever it is. But for now, the vibes are great. uh, And I cannot wait to, to speak to you guys today about the Ravens. Which, again, just like the last episode, I haven't been able to say that in a while. And now it is just all shining lights and butterflies. Let's get to it. And on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, has it going?
3: I'm with Tim. I am in lockstep on this opti- uh, shockingly optimistic outlook on the Ravens. Like, he said, like, this is like the first time, you know, knocking on wood everywhere in my apartment that this is, you know, the first time we haven't had just severe long term injuries, it seems, that are dragging their way into the offseason that we have to worry about. It's all about just the team. We Yeah, since we last talked, Lamar. Uh, The photos of him signing on the dotted line, the press conference, it's all happened. Uh, It's official, official. He's here. He's locked in. Um, The team itself's locked in. I don't know if we talked about that on the show ever, but they signed a, you know, 15 year lease extension. Everything's good. Everything's like great with the Ravens now. And yeah, it's, it's nice to just kind of, as Tim said, and we'll get into it, talk about things like their quarterbacks and the schedule and stuff like that. And, and, I I think, to what Tim said, just look forward to the season in a way I feel like I haven't since 2021, probably, and certainly last year, I was like, uh, here we go, and it played out as as bad as possible (laughs) last season, Um, so yeah, this is a a, a real point of real optimism, and and yeah, I was really excited to to see the schedule, and I don't want to spoil my picks, maybe not quite 17-0, but I'm optimistic.
1: (laughs) We are going to break down the schedule in detail in a minute. Um, we're going to play a little buy or sell because it's May uh, in the football calendar. So a little buy or sell where I'm going to get some opinions from my two co-hosts on some random uh, surveys that, that I'm going to give out. But before we get to all of that, some Ravens new, some other good news coming out of Baltimore. Acquisitions on the margins to make this team a contender. Uh, Ravens, sign Rock Scene. They, they were flirting with each other. They were batting eyelashes back and forth for a very long time. Um, you know, they were leaving each other on red. Uh, they were calling and then dropping fun and then kind of calling back and, yeah, who knows what's going to happen here. And then finally, signed with the Ravens, cornerback who previously played three years in Indianapolis and then last year for the Raiders. I'm going to get your guys' opinions, but it's for me it's a very simple phrase uh this is a guy with a high ceiling and also a very low floor based on a couple of different things jace uh what are your thoughts on the signing for the ravens
3: i'm in a very similar (laughs) boat as you antonio um i think on the one hand it's great obviously we've known as you said that the ravens have been interested in him for several months now uh so this kind of seemed inevitable i think we've talked about in our last show as a potential move um some concerns he has two interceptions in his career hasn't had one since 2020 no that was not that recent uh now is his 2022 season um ended with an injury a knee injury which obviously that's what like you know seems to befall almost every other one of our cornerbacks including Kyle fuller in week one last year so that concerns me a little bit that being said I, I think I guess the concern is like I think he's a good signing he's a fine player but I also, you know, I don't. You don't want to say this is mission accomplished. I think with the cornerback uh, uh, position. Now I don't know how much else you can do. I don't know if you could get a player much better than Rocky has seen at this point. But um, still, you you hope they tinker. Maybe you know, kick around the trade market. Maybe come training camp. If there's some guy you know is not going to make the team. Um, Maybe try to still bolster Because I think you still need to add Probably some bodies Even in addition to him But You know All in all What can you do It's very classic Ravens Post May 1 So They're going to keep their Compensatory pick They're getting at least a fourth For Ben Powers So Obviously they've been interested In Rocky soon for a while May 1 comes May 1 goes And now they make the move So Yeah I don't I don't You know This isn't the Ravens training for Marcus Peters, <laughs> by, by no means, uh, but it's a solid, fine addition.
2: Yeah, I mean, here here are the corners currently listed on the Ravens depth chart, and this is according to uh, ourlads.com, their kind of depth chart here. Uh, your starters will be Marlon Humphrey, uh, Rakia Sin, and then Brandon Stevens is the nickelback. Uh, I will just mention briefly here, he's been practicing at safety, so maybe not the nickelback or maybe not the other outside corner when they slot Marlon Humphrey inside, which they like to do. And your other corners here, uh, Kai blue Kelly, the rookie out of Stanford. They just drafted Jalen armor Davis, who didn't really work out, uh, as a first round pick, or the first round pick, excuse me, as a draft pick last year out of Alabama, Daryl Worley, who is purely just a special teams player, Jeremy Lucian, who, Trayvon Mullen, Kevon Seymour, we know we know what we think about Kevon Seymour and Pepe Williams, who again, kind of like Jalen Armour Davis, a rookie last year, flashed a little bit and then was not very good down the stretch. When you lose Chuck Clark as a strong safety, that means that Kyle Hamilton now has to play more as just just a strong safety. And I know you know there's there's a very a lot of versatility in the back of that defense, and and that's how. Uh, Michael McDonald, Mike McDonald likes to play and that's good, but there's not enough bodies there at the cornerback position. Um, Yeah. I look, I don't have a ton on Rocky sin. You can listen to the athletic football show or any of these guys who break down the all 22 of the Raiders every week. I'd rather do anything else uh, than watch (laughs) the Raiders every week. Um, So I don't have a ton on him, but I think it's fine to go into the season with, Rocky Sin and Marlon Humphrey as your two starting corners on either side, but you need bodies. I mean, this this room for the Ravens constantly is decimated with injury, Con- like year in, year out, and it's something they've addressed. It's something they've talked about. This is not just fan speculation that they want as many corners as possible because they just seem to lose dudes. And now that, you know, all the issues with their fitness guy and all that stuff has been, you know, Rashad Bateman subtweeting the the the, the fitness room and the strength and conditioning coach and all that fun stuff is out. Remember, bad vibes—they're gone. Bad vibes. Only good vibes now. Now that that's all been sorted, maybe that doesn't happen as much. Who knows? Um, but the bodies there make me nervous. For for it, 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 it's our, it's a larger conversation that we're going to have as we get closer to the season. I think a lot of us just assume that this defense is going to be good because they were good last year. And I have some questions, especially losing some veteran presence like Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell. Uh, I'm like, I mean, just i just going to read through the defensive starters right now. Justin Matabike, Michael Pierce, and or Travis Jones at nose tackle. Broderick Washington, spot starter last year. Adafe Owe, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith. Tyus Bowser, solid. And then you have, obviously, David Ajabo and, and, and the like. So linebacker's pretty solid. Then Rocky Singh, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, and then Nickelback, Brandon Stevens. Good. And 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 some good pieces there. It's, and some really, really talented players, obviously, when you talk about Marcus Williams and you talk about Roquan Smith and, obviously, Marlon Humphrey as well. But I don't know if this is, like... Premier defense that we kind of saw towards the end of last season, and and I think that starts in the secondary. As you as you both put, you know, brilliantly, I think I would be equally amount of surprised if if Rakusin ends up being like a definitive number two starter, or if we're in week eight and we're like, oh my god, that was the dude we signed to be the number two corner, and he's getting torched week in and week out, uh, and it goes for the rest of the secondary. They, there needs to be more talent and I know it's, there's not a ton of cap space and what have you there needs to be more bodies and talent injected into that defensive secondary room
1: yeah I, I wonder if they add somebody as the summer goes along the late August uh, addition which is certainly a Ravens staple but I Tim you made a the great point about how they have multiple like hybrid defenders in the secondary that I think is going to help a lot yeah um with Hamilton with Stevens if they get anything from these young corners they've drafted. There's a couple of them now. they got a nice little side... You know, there's the cornerback room, and then there's this side room of mid-round draft picks. They need to get some sort of production um, from those guys. Uh, Otherwise, I do wonder. Yeah, if they add uh, another veteran. I am more bullish on the lineup that you just named. I I think part of the players who have left has been... We have guys ready to go, ready to take these snaps. I think the defensive line is going to shine, um, even without Calais Campbell. Um, just from the development of Washington, from the development of Matabuke. the linebackers. We know the we know the situation there. Uh, and then yeah, with I I keep I forget that we no longer have the previous strength and conditioning coach. I'm living in a world where we're just not gonna have. ACL tears and hamstrings and grinds every three weeks from various players. And that's the world that I'm going to live in until it happens
2: again. Just quickly yeah. on the defensive line, sorry, because, I, you know, I got on this podcast at the start of last year and said Justin Matabike is going to be the breakout player. And, look, he wasn't, like, all pro, pro bowl dominant, but I'm pretty confident that that guy is going to perform and even step up to the level. I, I love his play, and I think he popped – almost every time I watched him last year who knows with Michael Pierce Travis Jones who knows and project well I agree I, I like the defensive line and this is a larger conversation for when we get later in the offseason I understand but a lot of guys that you're asking to fill some pretty big shoes now with the departure of a Calais Campbell type and not only fill those shoes but take on a bigger role and not just a rotational piece where Travis Jones you can come in for just the whatever third and short or whatever it is, or if he's more of a pass rushing guy, you come in and you're the nose tackle. Who's going to try and obliterate a center on third and 14. Cause we know where they're going, something like that. There needs to be development there. I'm not saying I'm not confident it'll happen, but it's, it's a lot to ask for a unit that I think everybody's just penciling in as like, good. Now the offense, like now we just need to see uh, chemistry with the offense defense. We're fine. I, I'm a little bit more skeptical than maybe and maybe here's my pessimism coming out uh, than I should be.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, it took me about 10 minutes what, into the episode to think a little pessimism. If there is one thing I could undo this offseason, it would be to, I think, play just the timeline out on the Calais Campbell thing differently. And I get why it happened. and like, But I feel like if we could just all just rewind, like, and he knows like, they get the Lamar deal done, and there's space suddenly, if both sides just – come to some kind of agreement with Campbell. That's kind of a what-if, I guess, at this point. But the only other thing, I guess, to add to this is, you, you wonder, you know, we talked about the drafting of Trenton Simpson last week, and I wonder if, if this offseason you see enough from him uh, and you do decide to make a move with Patrick Queen. I still think you should probably just keep Patrick Queen, but you could probably turn Patrick Queen into something useful. If, if something gets really dire, maybe you could turn him into a corner or something. Um, you know, what was the... the Kenny Young and a pick for Marcus Peters. Was that trade? Uh, that was obviously very one-sided. I think Patrick Queen's a much better player than Kenny Young, based on uh, you know their trajectories of their career. So um, that was just another idea I guess I had. If if, they, if for some reason they become set, or he really wants out, because the Ravens have you know been receptive to granting players trade requests generally in recent years. So um, if he wants out, if he sees he's getting squeezed out. You know, maybe they can flip him into, you know, some back-end help as well.
1: That's a good point. Uh, Yeah, the Calais-Campbell timeline, Jace, you're right. Uh, I wonder if he wishes it played out. I mean, he is chasing two things, really, right? The 100 career sacks, he's at 99, and he's ring-chasing. And I think today, off today, he wishes he was on the Ravens ring-chasing instead of the Atlanta Falcons ring-chasing, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, another addition the Ravens made. Today, Monday, as we record, so thank you to the Ravens for the timing on this. Sam Mustafer signed. a... will call him an offensive lineman. Uh, played center for the Bears. Now, now, this is a guy out of Owings Mills. He's a good council kid, so we know him, and we know he's a good kid because he's from the area. Uh, and it's Sam Mustafer. And I don't, I don't really understand. There's some in, <laughs> some ins and outs uh, on this. Edition because number one, I looked at his sort of stats and his pages, and he started forty games over three seasons, and he started every game last year, and I'm pretty sure he started almost every game the year before that. So, like in theory, the anchor of the Bears offensive line. However, (laughs) Bears offensive line very very bad. Uh, I have seen a couple of clips of his where it leaves a little bit to be desired. It kind of makes sense uh, for that type of addition. Like the fact that he's getting signed in mid May, very quietly on a one year deal while being a solid starter for the past two years. I think all this, you know, melts together into the full answer of, of why this signing is happening when it is and why it's only a one year deal. But uh, depth, depth along the offensive line is all I can say about this
2: needed depth though you know Tristan Colon Castillo was the only other true center on the team other than Ty- Tyler Linderbaum and starting 40 games over the past three years for the Bears this is this is what you needed he, interior line help I think is is big and it's something too that you know Patrick McCarry is probably going to be your swing tackle guy the, the guy that you rotate in um, with with the likes of most likely Morgan Moses at right tackle or maybe a little bit of left or you know God forbid there's another injury on the offensive line. He's the guy you're going to plug and play as like your, you know, almost sixth starter in a way. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of, of depth outside – in the interior, I should say, and, and especially behind Linderbaum. Now, look, we need Tyler Linderbaum in the game. That dude is one of the best centers in the National Football League already. And, and, but you got to cover yourself for if something happens and something unfortunate uh, you know injuries happen in this league, so I think it's it's a de- decent depth uh, depth piece. And then this could just be me uh, playing a bunch of Jedi Survivor over the past couple weeks. I thought it was Mustafar, Sam Mustafar. <laughs> there, there's like four people, including Jace, that'll get that joke, so we're just gonna leave that one where it is. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So he he's, he's got a little bit of that in him too. He got a bit of dog in him, I guess. We'll put it that way. So yeah, I, again, it's a depth piece, a, a signing that is necessary and needed, but. As a fan, you kind of hope doesn't make an impact because that means that all the guys are healthy on the interior of the offensive line.
3: Yeah, I kind of missed Cologne leaving. I didn't realize he... <laughs> he uh, Jeff Saripik mentioned today he signed with the Jets. So, hand up, that's on me. I didn't even know he was gone. But, uh, yeah, makes sense. You know, obviously, uh, we've seen Patrick McCarry snap, and the Ravens have seen Patrick McCarry play center and snap the ball into the ground. And I think they probably said... Well, we won't. We don't want that if Linderbaum gets hurt. So I think that's kind of the extent of this move. It was, yeah, as Tim said, they want Makari to be the swing tackle, and sure, he can play center if they absolutely need him to, but they probably said, no, we'd rather not, and so they went out and got grabbed a guy who, you know, much more natural center. Uh, Jason, let
1: me uh, let me jump and... in here. Time for some pessimism from me for the for the first time this episode. <laughs> uh, you mentioned poor snaps. Uh, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> Oh no oh, God. <laughs> Big Sam has uh 7 fumbles in the past 2 seasons. Mm. That can only mean <laughs> center quarterback
3: exchange. Uh Yeah, that's when they start. That's when they have the ball.
1: <laughs> only t- I mean he had 5 in 2021 and then 2 last year. It's a bad c- I you know,
2: he's improving. I, don't want, to in dump, theory. I don't want to dump on a lineman, but how, how do you stay in the league as a center with 7 fumbles in 2 years? I guess you play yeah, for the too. I guess you play for the Bears, but like Man, that is, that's tough.
3: That's too many. So, maybe, yeah, maybe Bakari would just be a better answer. But, Ravens uh, add but no.
1: third string center uh, in Sam and Sam Mustafer. Starting center for the Bears. Yeah.
3: Maybe he's guard insurance, too, as Tim said. General interior. Oh,
1: interior man. line, interior line. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, because Linderbaum's going to play 17 games. Okay, um... Last couple of notes to to tidy up here. It is or It was officially undrafted free agent season, which is a Raven specialty. Uh, Every team does this after the draft. Sign a bunch of dudes. Maybe one of them sticks. Uh, The Ravens have done this. Uh, I don't know if their streak is still going, but I know that they had a streak of like 16, 17 years in a row where an undrafted free agent ended up making the roster uh, in week one. Got a bunch of new faces this year. Um, And we're not going to run through them because, frankly, no one here has heard of most of them. But we're going to highlight a couple of names. Uh, I have a name to highlight, and then we'll go around if if either of you have somebody. Um, There was a chance that the Ravens were going to draft a running back because while they have... They're sort of top-heavy, right? They have the two guys up top, but they don't have a ton of depth. So they didn't do that and then signed Keaton Mitchell... Out of Eastern Carolina. This guy had 1,400 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns as a senior. Ran a sub 4-4-40. Four, four, the 4-3-7-40 at the combine. Tons of gas. Tons of elusiveness. He is very small. He's like five 5'8", 180 pounds or something like that. But you can just see what he is, right? He's the third down back who tries, they're probably going to use him creatively if he sticks. Um, He can do a little bit in the return game. He is the son of former Ravens defensive back Anthony Mitchell, who won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, so there's a nice little lineage there. Um, He will need to shine on third down to to stick with this team. Um, But it's an interesting little signing of a guy that had a ton of production, um, is not a three-down back, is probably not even a two-down back, but... Can he do some stuff in the return game? Can he turn some third and, you know, threes into 20-yard gains? And, and how does uh, Todd Munkin use him creatively on the field? Would be interesting if he's able to stick. Uh, any names that, that stood out to you guys in the undrafted free agent list?
3: So the one that obviously I think jumps out to me and uh, most a lot of our friends, I should say, because he went to our alma mater. Dante Dimas Jr. I hope he works out. Wide receiver. He was great. Well, I thought he was great at Maryland. He suffered that awful knee injury two or three years ago. I forget exactly when that was. But, uh, you know, seemed to probably not bounce back quite uh, the same afterwards. But, you know, I just kind of hope he works out as, like, a local guy. Obviously, it was fun when Tory was good on the team. We talked about, though, the suddenly rejuvenated depth of the Ravens' wide receiver room. So I don't have a... A ton of hope, I guess, of him being anything more than a practice squad guy. Um, I do think, to your point, Antonio, a guy like Mitchell is much more likely, as we've seen. You know, running backs get hurt. Ravens have cycled through a ton of backs in recent seasons. Uh, you need them; they kind of carry four anyway. Uh, just <laughs> to, uh, you know, now the way, the way they uh, op, sort of operate. Um, so, yeah, I'm not super optimistic. Demas will make the team but yeah, it was kind of cool to see that the, the Ravens sign him as a kind of
2: local guy. And just on that angle, I thought it was wild that Rakeem Jarrett as well was undrafted, you know, yeah, and the I'm other, the other Maryland wide receiver that everybody was like, Oh, it's going to be Diggs again. Like a Maryland wide receiver who was highly recruited, went to Maryland. It's Maryland. So, you know, not in the spotlight all the time and then gets picked in like the fifth round and becomes a star. No, straight up just didn't get drafted. Signed as an undrafted free agent with the bucks. Um, I'll just, I'll just piggyback on the Dante Dimas things. I don't really have a ton on any of the other guys. Or, like, long odds, I'll say. So maybe make it, like, 25-1, to 30-1 for our James Prochet training camp winner come August. <laughs> where it's, this guy's, lo- look out for this guy. He's lighting it up. And then never does anything in the National Football League, James Prochet. Yeah. Um, you know not that not the heavy favorite for our for our prestigious award here for the James Brochet training camp award uh, what the third annual at this point i think um <laughs> but one of the guys in there one of the guys you're looking on your fanduel account and you're like eh, maybe sprinkle a little bit on that guy that guy might make some waves in training camp and on social clips and not where it really man, i'm still i'm still i just cannot i can't believe he's still on this team i don't i don't understand it <laughs> looking good on the jugs machine it. Don't get it. He doesn't even have his number three anymore. Odell took it from him. What is, what's what's the point? What's the point? I, I digress. Uh, yeah, so Demas, it would be cool, you know, just as a Maryland alum uh, to see that guy turn out. But one of these where we don't know enough about any of these dudes and the Ravens have done their homework. And, you know, we'll see if they find another diamond in the rough. Speaking of uh, number changes, this
1: segment, this is, is brought to you by uh, Nike. Uh, And I'm going to let Tim (laughs) take the floor here with a quick segment on uh, poor
2: number changes in in the NFL. Tim, take it away, please. So, a couple years ago, the NFL decided to go the college route, where anybody that isn't a lineman can essentially wear whatever number they want. They don't allow defensive linemen to wear single digits, which I think is stupid. If you're going to go full college, just go full college. We want fat guys in number ones. That's what we want. That's what everybody wants here. But you don't allow that. And so... You know, I was against it at the time, old man yelling at Cloud, but I will admit, over time, I have I've have adjusted. It's not weird seeing Hollywood Brown rock a number two with the Arizona Cardinals anymore. It's not Rashad Bateman looks pretty clean in the number seven. You know, I I, I kind of like it when he's on the field. But the linebackers always got to me. You know, the linebackers always just... I hate when they wear numbers in the 40s. Patrick Queen wearing 48 when he came out. And I was just like, this. Just wear a 50. Like 53 looks cool. You know, 54, I know Tyus Bowser has it. 51, like. Or a 90, like an edge rusher with like a 91. That's cool. I like that. But Patrick Queen switched to six. And. It doesn't look good. I've adjusted to it. But the Ravens, I like the Ravens' numerical font that they have. Um, But I don't think it really works with a lot of the single digits. I think it works with seven. It obviously works with eight. Justin Tucker looks pretty clean in his nine. The six, I don't know. This is subjective. I understand this. So you might not know, but in the middle of the season last year, the Ravens traded for the best linebacker in football. His name is Roquan Smith. I'm not taking arguments at this time. I fell in love with this player. And for a man who, uh, you can't really see it on my Zoom call here, but for a man who has a Marlon Humphrey and a Patrick Ricard, he was my type of football player. He was hard-nosed. He was physical. Um, You know, He he doesn't tweet as much as Marlon, and that's a whole separate conversation. But a kind of guy that I I have, definitely a good thing, not owning some estate called Marquee Oasis or whatever it is, a whole different thing. Roquan Smith came into our lives, and I told myself, "That's the next one." That's that. I don't I don't wear a jersey every game day, but when I go to the games or you know go into a friend's house or something, I like to break it out. That's the next one. But Roquan wore 18, and am, and I'm cool with 18. I'm cool with it. And we didn't know if he was going to sign a deal, and I was like, if he signs a deal, I'm going to wait for the number change. I'm going to wait for the number change, and we're going to get like a Roquan back to 58. Or he's going to 53 or like try and get close to that Ray Lewis number. Not the Ray Lewis number, like a 51 or something. That would be that would be cool. I would love that. The, the 18 I was fine with. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know whether to be upset or elated. Because the NFL this year is allowing the number zero to be worn on jerseys. I will tell you this. Maybe the worst single digit in the Ravens' font is the number zero. It does, it's not going to look good on a man who isn't very slender, and he shouldn't be for, for the position he plays. Well, Roquan Smith, if you haven't heard, to, to end this long, ridiculous diatribe as everybody turns this episode off, has decided to wear number zero as a linebacker. And, folks, this has gone too far. It has gone too far with the linebackers wearing terrible numbers. Trenton Simpson, I think, is wearing 30 as a middle linebacker it's just unacceptable at this huh. time and now now gentlemen i'm in a quandary I, I i'm in a pickle i don't know what to do can't do it do, do i do i buy a 0 jersey for roquan smith or or do i simply just get a discounted 18 <laughs> because the 18 is pretty good everybody knows who the 18 is going to be There's not going to be some Smith 18 that's going to blow up anytime soon on the Ravens roster. I don't think so anyway. And I could kind of fake it and be like, yeah, I was there first. Oh, I knew he was going to sign. I had to have it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But you could if you needed to in a pickle and in a a tight spot. I don't know what to do about this Roquan Smith news. I'm at the point where I might just say, F it. And like the rest of the Ravens uh, fan base, because I don't have one, get a number eight. And just get like a black number eight and get my quarterback. Because it's a it's a really clean look. I love Lamar Jackson. Don't get me wrong. But I really wanted that Roquan Smith. And the zero, man. I just... I can't do the zero, guys. I can't do it. And it's going to take a long time. It's going to take week one when he has 15 tackles, two interceptions, and three forced <laughs> fumbles. Don't get me... Like, CJ Stroud, welcome to the NFL. You going to stop there. Um, it's going to take a while for me to get adjusted, I think. And I, I'm, I'm disappointed... You know, I love Roquan Smith, and I'm going to love watching him play for the next five years or whatever it is with the Ravens. But, man, that was, that was a heartbreaker seeing him switch into the zero.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can wear it. I, I, you could sell. A you know, man I of my stature
2: cannot wear a zero. It is not going to be slimming on, on, on myself. I know that for a fact.
3: The, the the eighteen you could as you said say you were a true believer uh, you were you were in on the ground floor bought it the day they <laughs> traded for him you know um, but even that number I don't love I just I, you know I just wish him and Michael Pierce exchanged a few dollars and that fifty eight went to to him and Michael Pierce could wear whatever he. War the first time I don't zero know exactly that'd be funny
1: that'd be just good <laughs> if
3: Pierce had the zero <laughs> biggest guy on the team with number zero yeah that would be a great bit <laughs> um but yeah the, the zero is tough but I'm kind of in a similar boat Tim where uh Lamar is actually the only jersey I have uh, and I've been wanting to diversify, and I don't know. I feel like I'm just gonna, and I don't want to be a Justin Tucker jersey guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, but then I'm like, am I just gonna? I don't love. That. I can't do the zero, like you said. And I'm like, I'm just gonna end up with a Marlon Humphrey jersey, I think probably. But it's like, you know, do I need to like? Have the jersey of the guy who found out about the Titanic this week? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a move.
2: So I will say, and not not to rain on my girlfriend's parade, because I think this is the one that she wants, and I love this selection. As somebody who you know was watching all the games with me, and then this man unfortunately went down with injury, and she still was sticking to it. Marcus Williams, thirty-two. Pretty good one. Or you could just go. Or you could just go full Madibike and just be like, this guy's gonna be a beast. Like you know, you're gonna have to get that one customized. Make sure the U and the I are actually in the right spot. Like triple check it before you send it in to fan. Uh, what is it? Uh, the what? Are fanatics or any of those websites as well. Um, I almost said fansided. This episode, lovely provided by fansided here. I, I I I just I don't know what to do, guys. I, I'm really really at a loss. Yeah, this. And
3: I've debated the 89 myself, the Mark Andrews, but I've already owned a Todd Heap jersey. Do I need to be a double tight end guy? <laughs> I mean, the Ravens certainly
2: are, so maybe maybe you do.
3: <laughs> just lean into it. And I was like, I want a defensive player, but yeah. The, the zero, I'm sure I'll get used to it. I do need to see him in the jersey. We've only seen photoshops to this point. Um, I think you need to see it on the field, but uh, I wish he just kept 18 or just switch to a number as you said if he just wore 50 justin houston's 50 or 50 you know is christian welch still on the team wear 57 yeah, if he's gone right.
2: <laughs> what jersey should tim and jace buy next at pod like a raven on twitter instagram pod give us your suggestions we, we need to know because we're stuck guys we're stuck
1: yeah for, it's it's a no for me dog uh, on the zero <laughs> it's it's like it's angled it's pinched but it's still wide because it's a zero. It's just, that's a disaster. It's a disaster. Jordan Stout is the answer. 11. Just the, the two ones right next to each other. Uh, and you're going, you know, who uh, who among us is going to have the jersey of a punter? For the um, brand, baby. For yeah. the brand. <laughs> would love to have, I would love to have to get Kyle Hamilton's. Because 14 a nice number. But uh, haven't seen enough yet, Kyle. So you know, force me, force my hand uh, into it as as the full time starter at strong safety. Um, but we shall see. Uh, all right, that's enough number talk. Uh, that's that's another May segment for us here on Pod Like a Raven. Let's get to the fun stuff. Ravens schedule time. It's 17 games. It's 18 weeks. It's five time zones. We're going to break it down by sections. Let's start with the first five weeks here. Uh, And there's a reason that we're starting with the first five weeks. And it's because it's division heavy. And it's because it's on this side of the pond, fellas. Week one, home against the Texans. Win. Week two, on the road against the Bengals. Week, Week three, home against the Colts. Week 4 on the road against the Browns. Week 5 on the road against the Steelers. That's right, fellas. Three out of the first five weeks on the road against AFC North opponents. I don't love it, but I guess get them out of the way early while Lamar Jackson's still the starting quarterback.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we haven't had a lot of division games early, it feels like. And this could just be like a narrative thing I have in my head, but... I feel like every time we do the schedule breakdown it's like why do we have two Steelers games from week 14 to 18 like what is going on I don't love that they're all away games you mean getting the bangles out of the way in week two I'm kind of for especially for a 1 p.m. kickoff um, all of these are 1 p.m. kickoffs you know me I love a 1 p.m. kickoff and we'll get to some of the other ones that uh, certainly aren't uh, later down uh, in the year but I kind of tend to be there, Antonio. The the three away division games, three of your hardest games of the year because they're division opponents away from home. That's just how it is, especially in the AFC North. I'm good with it. I'm, I'm really, really good with just kind of like brute force, beat them against the head. These are the ones we have. And then we get two rookie quarterbacks in the first three weeks so we are still figuring things out we're in Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. Like, it's not, I, it's not like, you know, 10 out of 10 in terms of starts, but I, i am giving it a solid seven, seven and a half. Like I'm pretty happy with.
3: It. Yeah. I'm actually in favor of it too. Um, you know, it would have, I guess, yeah, been nice to have at least one of these at home probably, but uh, last year, you know, they didn't play their first AFC North game period until week five, that Sunday night football game against the Bengals. And now they'll have all the AFC North games out of the way. Um, it's kind of, it's good and bad, as kind of Jeff Zerimick pointed out. I was reading some of his analysis today. You know, you drop two or three of these, you kind of are already knowing, like, you're not winning the AFC North probably. And that's tough. But, as Tim just said, you know, when has Lamar played the best the last two seasons? It's been the first month of the year. So if we're getting his best games, the weather's still good and all these you know, we know the weather is awful in Ohio in November and December. We know it's awful in Western Pennsylvania in November and December. Luckily, you know, it should still be pretty nice uh, unless it's pouring rain at these places. Uh, so I, from that perspective too, weather should not be a concern. I kind of like getting them out of the way early um, just because, you know, I feel like in recent years, the Ravens have played pretty well at the beginning of the year and it's, it's the latter part of the season. That's the problem. Now, I don't know that we have much reprieve, which we'll get into in a little bit. But at least in terms of the division, yeah, the fact that it's not backloaded in general is nice. And I I, I feel like it's kind of nice to just know, like, yeah, second weekend of October, you're done traveling on the road in the division. That's kind of cool. And um, they couldn't have been served up a literal easier opening game. So the, they better hammer the Texans. They're pretty good in week one, but rookie coach... Probably a rookie QB or Davis Mills. <laughs> they should they should handle this team pretty handily. Even if I think the Texans might be, you know, marginally improved. What's that improving to? You know, four wins, five wins. They should not be a great team. So, can't start it better. I love the 1PMs, uh, as Tim said. Um, and, yeah, I think it's not... It could be better, but I, I actually don't mind just getting all the division games out of the way early, just because it is such a, a change up of, of I feel like everything we've done like the last four or five years, which has been all backloaded.
1: I would literally not play human bodies in any minute of the three preseason games, based on how this schedule is set up. Week one. And this is going to be the most arrogant thing I have said on this show in, dare I say, years. Week one is their preseason game with their starters, and it's going to count as a win uh, or or a loss. It's at home. It's against one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL. I don't care who the quarterback is in that situation. Um, It's just not going to go well. So I want to have healthy Raven humans, starters, backups. I don't even play the third string every minute of the preseason because you have a great opportunity here week one to get the rust off, to do some fun things, and blow a team out in week one before you have to face your division uh, rivals. The week three with the Colts, I do not see Anthony Richardson starting by week three of his rookie year. He's played, he's gotten 13 starts in his life of college football, and I think that is not going to translate well to the beginning of the NFL season, and they are going to take their time with him. And Gardner Minshew will not be leading the Colts to a win in Baltimore in week three, so i very into that i'm not into the road games i do think they dropped two of three of these but i don't think it spells uh disaster i just think it's how the
3: schedule is uh lined up unfortunately but if well here's an annoying thing that's happened to one of our division rivals since we last spoke uh the browns traded for zadarius smith um that's gonna stink him and Clowney against each other um or not Clowney, uh miles garrett excuse me Um, That's a good combo Uh, And that will be tough I do think the Browns are still the worst team in the AFC North I think Very annoyingly we talked about I think at their draft I think the Steelers had a really good draft If Kenny Pickett's better I think the Steelers could make the playoffs this year Um, Yeah, it stinks The Ravens are one of the hardest divisions in the the NFL And um, that's unfortunate Uh, I do, I think Tim mentioned getting this Bengals game Just out of the way week two is kind of nice. They've kind of been a slow starting team the last two years, and I've really turned it on late. So maybe maybe you can catch them. They kind of did last year. That was the, they caught the bag, what was the, until the AFC title game, right? Wasn't the Bengals lost to the Ravens like their last loss of the season <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> uh, until the playoffs, uh, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I do like getting that game out of the way, even if I don't know that it'll go particularly.
2: Just quickly on that, the, the last couple of seasons I feel like we've talked about the Ravens better get off to a hot start because the schedule down the stretch gets pretty bad. And looking at this one right now, and we'll get to it, it, it ain't the easiest, but it doesn't include any road division games, which can be the biggest tripwires in your schedule as an AFC North team. I'm not saying I want to be 2-3 and three out of the gate, but you're you're going 3-2. and two and you have all three division games on the road, out of the way, I'm pretty freaking happy based on where we're going next. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: And let's get to the next section. We're talking weeks 6 through 12 now. Because, ladies and gentlemen, week 6, the Baltimore Ravens travel to London to play the Tottenham Titans, excuse me, the Tennessee Titans They're playing it at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of fun. The optics are bad because the Ravens have been in London once before, and it was uh, not a good stretch for them. I'm going to have my co-host break down that Titans game in a second, but I'm going to run through the the rest of the slate here. So it's Titans uh, in London, home against the Detroit Lions, on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, home against the Seahawks, home against the Browns, home against the Bengals, and then it's at Chargers, and I think I read that. Yes, and then it's at the Chargers um, on the 26th of November, which I'm going to check if that – is that a Thursday? It is not. Sunday, is Sunday Sunday the, night. The Bengals game is The a Bengals Thursday. is a the Thursday. Okay. So that's two, the slate Two there. back-to-back back primetime games, yeah. Titans, Lions, Cards, Seahawks, Browns, Bengals, Chargers – fellas that start up top heading east over to europe over to england to play the titans what are your thoughts on that
2: i want to first preface all of this with i am so happy for our uk ravens crew that is very appreciative of this podcast they're very supportive um you know obviously we've had james ogden on before to kind of talk about draft stuff as well i love those guys i hate that we're playing in london (laughs) And I think a lot of it is because, and I, and I hope they all go, and I said this on Twitter, I hope they flood the stadium with purple. And it's like, holy crap, there's a lot of Ravens fans all, over in merry old England. But I just, I don't mind waking up early, but that game is just weird. Plenty of players have come out and say they don't like playing over there because the schedule, These are these are creatures of habit, National Football League players. It gets completely screwed up. And then you throw in a team that, yeah, probably isn't going to be very good, but they're going to make it very ugly. And they've had some, you know, knockout, dragout, slobber knocker fights with the Ravens in the last couple of years in the Tennessee Titans. I, that's, that's like the last team I wanted to see when we went over to London. You know, In a game that's just going to be weird, throw in the Titans to make it even weirder. Um, you know, again... The Ravens are a, clearly a better football team than the Tennessee Titans who look to be in some sort of rebuild. Who knows what that rebuild really consists of or if they're trying to reload rather than rebuild. There is not a lot of talent in that building right now. All the rumors about Derrick Henry, although it looks like he's going to stay, but for a while it looked like he was just like a Philadelphia Eagle or like going to be traded for whatever reason. Um, you know, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it, but look, as we've said multiple times on this program over the years, This is what happens when you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. You're going to get primetime games because they want to put that guy in primetime or in spotlight situations because of how good he is. And I just think, you know, it sucks, but look, Kyle Bowler ain't walking through that door anymore. Like late career Joe Flacco ain't walking through that door anymore. It's Lamar freaking Jackson. So you're going to have to be in these spots, and hopefully they deliver against a team that is clearly worse than them.
3: Yeah, and they've gone... So this will be six years since the Ravens had actually gone to England. So they were kind of due, as you said, Tim, with a player as good as Lamar. It it was only... I know it seems like the Ravens, you know... There's a list of teams that clearly fight going overseas. The Packers amongst them, probably number one. The Ravens are also high on that list. They clearly do not like to do it. Um, But, uh, you know, I i didn't actually check does this count as one of our home games yes the, uh,
2: i believe it does it says verse tennessee but do here on the schedule we have like
3: an extra because we're gonna do
2: live we're gonna do live math here yeah. one two three four five <laughs> six they still seven, have nine home games eight nine oh they still have nine home games my apologies my okay. apologies
3: so then that's fine you're not losing a home game for it so that's probably why they were fine doing it um uh, but, you know, obviously we danced around it. The last time they went to England, they lost 44-7. To Blake Bortles. To Blake Bortles. I don't think I watched a second of that game, but it, it is one of the worst games in the history of the Ravens. Like, I think just in terms of, like, amount they lost <laughs> and uh, yards they gained versus yards the opponent had, it's truly one of the most awful games. So they just need to do whatever the opposite... Is And to Tim's point, I feel like I'm kind of, I am probably am dismissing the Titans more because it's not the opponent that concerns me so much. It's, but like, they clearly could probably lose to the Titans. I know, because I, I think the Titans could be bad, but, you know, Mike Vrabel's still a good coach. And if Tannehill and Henry are there, they, you know, they could cause some problems uh, for them. They have in the past. Um, but the, the concern actually for me, so teams can, I believe, have sort of the option to do this is to not take the bye after it. And so my concern is if you do go over there, stub your toe and lose, then you're coming home to play a, what should be a decent Detroit Lions team. And that's actually the game I think that concerns me more is not taking the bye coming home from England uh, and then having to play Detroit on what's, you know, just going to be a screwed up travel week. Um, I looked it up. So the 2017 Ravens, you know, they get blown out by the Jaguars in London they come home they lost 26 to 9 to the Steelers but the 20 like the 2017 Ravens were bad so i don't know yeah. if there's any real like lessons to take from any of this but that was kind of my concern too was it, it, and i was just i guess curious like what you guys think of them basically not having a bye here um, and kind of it being way later in the season i am
2: very fine with it like very fine with them saving that bye for week 13 when your stretch run, uh, and, and not to spoil this, but we'll get to it. Rams, Jags, Niners, Dolphins, Pittsburgh at the end of the year. I'm, I'm, I would much rather have that one week of rest and maybe, you know, and who knows with the, the league and this is why they don't play the game on paper and whatever, call it one and a half weeks of rest, playing the, the Rams coming out of the bye um, at home. I, I'd rather power through for a Detroit team, which we'll get to, might be being talked up a little too much, and, and the schedule kind of shows that. So, look, I still think it's a good team, but you know, you're not you're not playing the Chiefs coming out of London there. So, like, look, I I I, I am for it, but I understand the the trepidation.
1: I, I'm gonna just abstain, but I can tell you that that Lions game is a loss. Uh, it's the trap game <laughs> of the year, and let me tell you, I tweeted this, and I've leaned into it even more so post tweet. There is a zero, and I'm putting this down now because how could it come back to bite me? There is a 0% chance that Lamar Jackson is active and starting for the Titans game in London and the Lions home game. There's no oh way. God. He gets sick on the plane to Tennessee, to Tennessee, to Tottenham. <laughs> he gets sick on the plane and he can't play because he's got the flu or he gets sick post-game, post You know, trip back, and he is inactive for that Lions game. There's no way. You cannot convince me that he is going to be healthy for the week before Tennessee, Tennessee, the week after Tennessee, and into this Lions game. Uh, They're either losing both of these games, or they're losing just the Lions game. Mark it down. Mark it eight, dude. (laughs) There's no way around it. So if I were (laughs) my final... You know what? I'm not abstaining. It's a mistake. Because they should know Lamar Jackson gets sick every other week, and they should have factored that in to choosing to take the bye after the London game, so he can recover from whatever whatever food poisoning he gets, whatever digestive issue, sleep, deprivation, I don't know, some bad chips, something, you know, for you, for you England fellas, there's no chance. There is no chance, and it bums me out. Uh, on a more positive note, I will say, um, and I will keep this, uh, keep you all apprised of this as we get into the summer here, I may have, and by that I mean I did, submit uh, like a request for tickets for this game because why not? Who knows if it happens? Who knows if I'm even going to take them? But for those London, those England listeners out there, uh, if, if you know, the Ravens gods bless upon me with, with tickets for that game, there is a chance that uh, I make an appearance, and if so, let's all hang out. Let's all hang out outside of the Ravens hotel room to make sure that Lamar has <laughs> Tums, lozenges, uh, Advil, just whatever he, a, a nice warm blanket because it gets chilly when it rains. You know, it gets a little a little damp, a little musty and I don't want him getting a cold because that will happen. Uh, and those There'll are my thoughts.
3: order of fish and chips per day.
1: <laughs> just uh, stay away from the porters. I, I don't know, it's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good for him. And those are my thoughts there. Uh, guys, what about the rest of That stretch, after the Lions, at Cardinals, home to the Seahawks, home to the Browns, and then that nice little uh, fearsome twosome, home, Bengals, prime time, away, (laughs) Chargers, prime time.
3: Very annoying that our, so we should just, starting with the Bengals game, the Ravens don't have, you know, obviously they're in an exclusive window playing a 930 Eastern kick. Uh, 630 Pacific kick uh, on in, uh, the Tennessee game uh, but um, so but they don't uh, actually have a primetime game until this Bengals game November 16th and of course it's their what so they don't have a primetime game until November 16th and then they have four, at least four primetime games to end the season. That Steelers game's TBD, and you just know they're throwing that crap on Sunday Night Football if it's a win it in for one of those teams uh, in Week 18. But, uh, yeah, that's annoying. So four primetime games after November 16th, three of them on the road. This Bengals game is their only home game, and it's on Thursday Night Football after they play the Browns three days, you know, four days before. Um, don't love that. I don't love that um that's i don't i you know the ravens do well uh in prime time generally under a john harbaugh so i don't actually you know i know we complain about prime time games a lot tim just our nature yeah. we'd prefer to play i was gonna, I was gonna say you could
2: point to me yeah that, that's me yep, yeah
3: yep. I, I do too I, I i give me you know i roll out of bed i turn on the tv at 10 a.m and i'm watching their game and the best case scenario is nothing eventful happens. They win by 10. And then I watch red zone as other games finish up and no one talks about the Ravens all day. That's my perfect Sunday, but (laughs) uh, you know, in prime time, they do actually do pretty well under Harbaugh, but uh, you know, that's, that's something I don't love. I don't love this Bengals is their one home primetime game and it's on Thursday night football just days after you play a different division rival. That's not great. At least they're both at home, but if I have, you know, complaints about the schedule, uh, there it is. It's the one home primetime game out of four, and the one game's on Thursday night, days after a division opponent.
2: Yeah. uh, It it is a complaint, but also we're playing a Seattle team that has to come to us on a one o'clock. They go... One of their West Coast trips, and I know they have to make more West Coast trips this year with the L.A. Chargers game and the Niners game. One of them is the Arizona Cardinals, who are by far, in my opinion, the worst team in football. They might have Kyler Murray by late October. They might not. Who knows? Yeah. I think nobody really knows if he's going to be playing football for them ever again at this point. You know, I, Cod usually drops in October, too. So, like, that might <laughs> might be an issue for him. Yeah. I already talked about I'm not as, you know, worried about the Detroit game as I think the two of you are, although I, your arguments are, are have a lot of merit. I, I agree with that. And, and yeah, the primetime, having the division away at the beginning and the primetime to end here as we're going to get into, it, it, it sucks, right? It, it's not ideal. You'd rather them kind of pepper them throughout, but the primetime opponents that we have outside of the Bengals, they're always going to put one of those games in primetime, don't Make me don't scare me as much as maybe they would in recent years. And maybe that's just because like we talked about at the very start of the show, the vibes are high. I'm very high on this team, as and, and by this point in the season you would hope that everything is gelled and and you know, God willing, people are relatively healthy and what have you. So look, after Tennessee, if you can fight through that and maybe scrap a win against Detroit, you pick up you should pick up two wins against Arizona and Seattle. Cleveland, look, I'm not even going to say it, and then Cincinnati and the Chargers. If you split that, I think that's good. And, and let's mention too, I think you know it's been said, but to to emphasize the point, it is two primetime games back to back. But there is an extended amount of time between said games. The one game is a Thursday. The Bengals game is on Thursday night, and then Sunday night for the Chargers. That is, that's an extended amount of time for the Ravens to plan, get healthy, what have you. So. Look, it could be worse. I'll just I'll put it that way. Then the final stretch, the Ravens with a bye in week
1: 13, <clears throat> and then weeks 14 through 18 home against the Rams, at the Jaguars in another primetime game, at the 49ers in another primetime game, and then finishing up two games at home against the Dolphins and the Steelers. I, I'm all over the place with this schedule now, but don't love the at Jags at Niners back-to-back. Um, 49ers game is Christmas night also, yeah. so I don't even know what's <laughs> – I'm going to be like so, happy and sad and then stressed all day. I don't want to be stressed on Christmas Day. What are well, we so doing? That's,
3: that's what I wanted to ask you because they're going to lose this game, and knowing that <laughs> – Like, just knowing that they're gonna, like, get hammered by the Niners on Christmas night. Like, is this gonna ruin your guys' Christmas? Or, like, are you like me just knowing that they're going to lose this game? uh, Have you just accepted it? Like, will it be fine? I'll just be like, I'll do Christmas Day and then the Ravens kick off at 8 and, like, if I pass out with them down 15 at halftime, it's whatever. Like... I don't know. I'm curious where your mind space is, because this is the single biggest L on the entire (laughs) schedule for me at at 49ers on Christmas night. There's no chance they win this game. Uh, Why? (laughs) Because it's at the 49ers. No, 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 no. no, Not
2: saying why. Not saying why. But I think we're making history here on Pod Podlicker Raven. I am the most optimistic right now. (laughs) 49ers have Brock Purdy. I'm done with the cult of Brock Purdy. I get Kyle Shanahan. Great. That's fine. I'm not scared of the freaking 49ers with the what the Ravens have assembled right now. Yeah, the weapons. Yeah, the, the fi- I'm going to be full of Christmas cheer and I'm going to be ready for the <laughs> Ravens to go into San Francisco and lay the smackdown to the 49ers and make a statement. Here's your coal. Just throwing lumps of coal at every 49ers fan trying to pick a fight with every Ravens fan in that stadium. I'm, I i do not know, man. Like I don't, I don't see it as the biggest L. I think, I think the John Harbaugh in primetime is a damn good coach. I think the Ravens, if, if I, this is all, you know, predicated on the Ravens actually performed to the level that I think they're going to this year. So, take it for what you will. That probably isn't going to happen. I'm not worried about this Niners team. This this Niners team, by the way, I get it. I I get the weapons and the Shanahan offense and whatever. Brock Purdy hasn't thrown a football yet as we sit here on May 15th because of the the surgery he had. They're trying to trade Trey Lance. People are talking themselves in to Sam Darnold in a Kyle Shanahan offense. We could be getting to the point at week 16 here against the San Francisco 49ers where everybody's going, oh my God, they just squandered. They squandered one of the best rosters in NFL history because of their arrogance at quarterback. Because they thought they could get away with Mr. Irrelevant and it was fun for a little bit of time and then it just stopped working. Like, that is a very real scenario for the San Francisco 49ers team. Will I pick them to win the NFC West when we do predictions? Absolutely. But I don't... I don't think their ceiling is as high when there is just... I would love to talk to a Niners fan right now who's just like, yep, quarterback's going to be fine. Look, if if Brock can't do it, Brock's our guy. But if Brock can't do it, Sam Darnold, he's going to be completely fine in this offense. going to be a star. Okay, sure, sure, sure. We'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And until I see it, I'm not sitting here saying it's going to ruin my Christmas. <laughs> if they lose by 35... Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a great end to Christmas, but, like, it's not going to ruin it for me. I don't know. I mean, hopefully at that point, you'll just be too much in the bag that you won't even remember it at that point. Like, that's that's, that's, that's kind of the plan if they go down, see, if they go down so early, that's the plan. But, yeah, just, and overall, my final thoughts on this stretch here, too. Like, the Rams, who knows? I think that's going to be a joke team. The Jaguars are another team that is, I think they're a good team. I'm not trying to just poo poo everybody on this this, uh, uh, schedule that we're facing. But the Jags also are the Jags. It's one of those things where you just, you stare at, like, we're watching the NBA and the NHL playoffs right now, right? And you stare at some of the matchups, and you're just like, no, that team can't beat that team. Like, no, the Sixers aren't going to beat the Celtics. This is the Sixers. This is the process. Like, we know this. We know this. Like, it's just, it's it's that. That's how I kind of see the Jaguars right now, unless Trevor Lawrence ascends to an MVP level, which he certainly can. I, I have no doubts about that. Um... I'm not sitting there saying, like, we're going into Jacksonville and and the dude from the trailer park is ripping the national anthem on his electric guitar to start the playoff game. And th- that's that's a super – people are diving into the pool in jean shorts. Like, I'm not super intimidated by that atmosphere over there. I just I, – I'm cool with this stretch, and maybe it's just because I am just – like, I look at this – and I'll just go final stretch here. We're better than the Rams. We're better than the Jaguars. Niners, I'll give you a toss-up. We're better than the Dolphins, and we know that we cannot squander this. Plus, Tua's week 17. Tua's going to be retired by that point. We're not, he's not playing. <laughs> and then Kenny Pickett in week 18, throw the records out the door. It's it's the Steelers, what have you. Hopefully, we're already in at that point. God forbid it's win and both teams get in and and Lamar throws three picks and you know, whatever. That, that could totally happen. It's happened before. But I'm not, I'm not going there quite yet. I, I think that this Ravens team has the chance in a loaded AFC, as we talked about, to be very, very formidable and very, very dangerous. And I think that I I don't know. I, none of these teams on this list scare me. Not one. Not one.
1: I love, I love this, Tim. I, it, this must be the O's. Is it the O's that are just giving you this bubbly optimism? <laughs> so, What's going on here?
2: It is currently 4-4, and they're they're, uh, against Otani, who's pitching, which is actually remarkable. I thought they'd be down, but it might be the O's. The O's are good. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. The Ravens aren't leaving. Tears of the Kingdom just came out. It might be the best game of all time. I've already spent like 40 hours in Hyrule, and it came out on Friday as we record this. I'm feeling good, man. I don't know what to tell you, and I, I... It will all crumble when somebody just, like, shreds their ACL in minicamp. Or, like, we lose the entire roster because guess what? We have to play at FedEx Field during the preseason again. That's super fun. I don't know why we just don't boycott that. It's ridiculous that we have to do that. But for right now, May 16th, as you're listening to this, hopefully, I am over the moon with this Ravens team. Uh Tim, I
1: love your analysis about the 49ers. You were absolutely right. Who it might Purdy even might
2: not be healthy. He might not throw a football by that. Point and he might in not be season. good. He might not be good. He might have just had his run. Like we don't know this. However, <laughs> for all that
1: reasonable analysis, if they beat the Jags on the 17th of December, they will be losing to the 49ers on the <laughs> yeah. 25th. There, there is no world where the Harbaugh Ravens win back to back tough road games against teams that went to the postseason the year before it's just not happening so pray for a split I guess I don't know uh, the Jaguars I, game last year it's... we had in the bag 800 times it was the the one that got away out of every single loss of which all of them were that basically I don't like that they're going back there doesn't seem right why are they not at home this time if they played on the road last year but yeah there, there's no way there's no way that there are two wins back to back on the road in two primetime games.
3: And I think that's especially true, Antonio, if they win that game at the Chargers. Like, if they go into L.A. and win that West Coast game, I think that goes down to, like, a 0% chance they win in San Francisco. But, this, this is that know, hard I, analysis
1: that is just Ravens superstition, but it's because we've seen it. We've seen mm-hmm. it so many times. <laughs> it's, it's
2: right, that's why. Oh, man. Yeah, I was
3: going to say, like, and also just, like, yeah, the history of the Ravens, like, they could easily lose at Arizona. like blow out detroit blow out the seahawks road game at arizona worst team in the league we've seen them lose that game now it's been rare in the lamar era and that's what i'm hanging my hat on but uh yeah i mean to to everything you know perhaps coming off pessimistic I, i think i am optimistic overall like this team should make the playoffs i think with this schedule um Uh, Like I said, I like getting the the division games largely out of the way. That Steelers game looms as a nightmare. I think I mentioned this too. They, um... I mean, it wouldn't be week uh, 18 like that is, but um, the Ravens could potentially play more primetime games. Uh, They've expanded flex scheduling this year to also include Monday nights as well. Um, So, I don't know. Like, maybe they... uh, If the Rams are really good, maybe they move, like, Rams, Ravens into a Monday night game, something like that. Uh, Just five weeks straight
1: of primetime football. Yeah, if
3: the Dolphins are, like, great, maybe they're like, oh, this last, second to last Monday night game, other team, whatever team's in that spot, quarterback, lost their quarterback, let's move, you know, to uh, Lamar in there. Um, So that's annoying, and I'm sure the Ravens will almost certainly be getting an extra primetime game, whether it's that Steelers game. Um, or that. But hey, you know. Well, I was gonna say, I like having Steelers at home. But we had Steelers at home two years ago with a chance to make the playoffs, and eighty-year-old Ben Roethlisberger knocked them out. So uh, no. we also
1: whatever. had a chance last year, Jace, <laughs> to uh, you know hit the over for wins uh, with the home game against Pittsburgh, and that didn't work out either for some of us. So that's a nightmare. That's nightmare fuel. Uh, week eighteen, at home against the Steelers. I, I. It's amazing. We have. I think the three of us have completely switched roles at this point because I do not like the schedule <laughs> I, I really don't top to bottom uh we're gonna get to over under you know, I will we're say gonna... it's
3: harder it, it's harder than last year and that's what makes what happened last year so annoying I think uh, <laughs> they had they had they had it you know paved the way and they were able to cobble together enough wins to stumble into the playoffs with Tyler Huntley by beating the Falcons and by beating uh the Broncos 10 to 9 and the Panthers 13 to 3. Uh but yeah, it, it's <laughs> they last year they had a real chance, but let's get back to optimism. That's in the past. The Ravens can they can't hurt us. This it's all it's all good now.
1: Things that I do like uh that the Ravens this year playing, obviously as we've gone through the teams, playing the full AFC South, which is maybe the weakest division in the NFL, maybe the second weakest after the NFC South. Uh, and the NFC West, uh, as you could tell from the teams that we listed, with the West, arguably two of those teams are like trying to lose games. So there's some opportunities there. On the whole, a ton of travel, a ton of prime time, a ton of weirdness, and it's fun. And that's why we like it. And that's why we like the NFL. Um, all right, let's do the trivia game now. Tim is up this week, uh, and then we'll hit some uh, some final things. Tim, who, uh, who, and what, and where do you have for us?
2: Yeah, let's uh, let's see. This there's a, this is very general. I will admit. So I hope that you guys. I I, I believe that. By, I mean, by the end of it, you're going to get it. But we'll see. Um, remember, if you don't know, I have five clues. Each player gets one guess. So if they guess, they're out. But it is, it is beneficial to guess earlier because the points descend. From clue one is five points. Clue two is four points, and so on and so forth. So you have to name the player and the game. Alright, clue number one, gentlemen. This was a season opener against an NFC South opponent. I'm hearing silence, so I will move to clue number two. Five points is now off the board for four points. The team pitched a shutout in this game, and although this player had zero tackles, he did make an impact. Very general, I know. I know. I apologize. Team pitched a shutout in this game, and although this player had zero tackles, and I had to keep confirming the box, store, box score when I looked at this. He NFC
1: South, impact. Tim, you
2: said? I did say NFC South. Okay. All right.
1: All
2: right, let's move to clue number three. This is worth three points. The big impact this player made was very unorthodox for his position. very unorthodox for the position this player played i'm gonna move to clue number four now unless anybody wants to buzz in clue number four here for two points that impact was a 60 yard interception return that got the ravens to the nine yard line unsurprisingly the offense went three and out and had to settle for a field goal
1: Tim, that's way too uh, generic. That could be so many different scenarios that the Ravens have had, so
2: I don't This I don't isn't going to... Does Jace have an answer?
3: <laughs> well, I'm just going to buzz it and just guess this is Ed Reed. <laughs> I, I don't have a game. I don't have a year, but... <laughs> I can't, uh, You know, it's, it's rare to think of him without a, a tackle, it seems unlikely, but uh, knowing you and knowing what era of Ravens this seems, I can't pick a year off the top of my head, but... Uh, yeah, this just seems like something that would have happened to Ed Reed. I would
2: say a 60-yard interception is not unorthodox for Ed Reed. So, no, that is not the wow. correct answer wow. there. Uh, I'll just – I'll read out the uh, – this just makes me laugh, so I'm just going to read out the uh, the offensive after the nine-yard line. Jamal Lewis for no gain. Steve, Steve McNair, passing complete, intended for Todd Heap. Steve McNair – this is third and nine now, or from the nine, third and goal from the nine. Steve McNair, pass complete. Short left to Todd Heap for seven yards.
3: And you said the Ravens won this game? The Ravens <laughs> Shut won out. this
2: game, and I, it was a shutout. Oh. Now that it's only one point, it's for Antonio. I will say maybe I should have mentioned some years and some clues earlier. I apologize. This is one of those where I'm looking at it, so I think it's easier than it actually is. The score was 27-0 against an NFC South opponent on a season opener. A player who does not usually intercept balls, intercepted a ball even though he didn't have – uh any tackles in this game and this rookie would go on to have a stellar year or stellar career I should say with the Baltimore Ravens this rookie from Oregon would go on to have a stellar uh, career with the Baltimore Ravens
1: yeah so i i you know i'm going to slowly buzz in cuz i'm by myself uh i am going to say
2: Haloti Nata is the player this is Haloti first game as a Baltimore Raven in 2006, a 27 to nothing win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He picked off a pass and he went 60 yards and like he did against the Rams as well. <laughs> he went 60 yards and then ran out of gas and kind of just wobbled out of bounds at the nine yard line, even though he could have easily scored, but he was a rookie and we were all pumped up about it. And I remember thinking this guy's going to be awesome. And he was so Haloti there. Probably should have included a year. My apologies. Uh, But, yeah, I I wanted to try and make it general because for whatever reason, this is one that sticks out in my head, so I figured it might stick out in yours as well.
3: Yeah, I guess I never – I knew he had a handful of picks, but I guess I didn't remember him doing it his first game. First
2: game, he had an interception. And then, again, I will just read it one more time because it's hilarious. From the nine, Jamal Lewis for no gain. McNair incomplete to Todd Heap. And then from the nine on third down, McNair – heap for seven yards. Getting them to the two 20 yard uh field goal for Matt Stover is good.
3: I like that they didn't even consider going for
2: not, the not injury. a chance. Not a chance. <laughs>
1: uh so not a great showing, but I'm off the schneid. So now th- th- through five rounds, Jace uh, Jace Evans nine points, Tim two, Antonio one. Uh and we will continue the through the through the summer and see if uh, one. either one of us can dare get close to, to Jace's score. Um, that was a good one from the, from the lost season in Baltimore. Uh, what could have been, what should have been, but, uh, all right, let's turn now to the NFL briefly. We've we've been chatting for, for a long time. So just some quick, uh, hits on the schedule. Um, some fun games early on in week one, uh, dolphins at chargers week one. That'll be fun. Tua is still their quarterback bills at jets Monday night, week one. Oh, isn't, it, isn't there so much intrigue with this game with Aaron Rodgers? Oh, great. And then the one that is my favorite, uh, we've teased it a bit earlier in the episode, Detroit Lions, NFL opener against the Super Bowl-winning Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, oh boy, Detroit. Get ready for the spotlight and expectations because there, as Tim has mentioned, there has been a lot of chatter about this Lions team being ready to ascend Still just rolling out Jared Goff. Uh, still haven't gone to the postseason. I think there's a lot of questions with this team because it just hasn't it hasn't happened yet, and their quarterback is still Goff, and, and they go week one on national television against the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, thoughts on the week one slate, guys, and just uh, some May excitement for uh, week one football.
3: This Chiefs... Lions game as the NFL opener is completely baffling to me. I uh, You look at like recent NFL openers. Uh, last season, you had the Rams hosting the Bills who were coming off that brutal loss to the Chiefs, but a team that, you know, had been a real Super Bowl contender, I would say the previous two seasons. Um, the year before that, you had Tom Brady and the defending champion Bucks against the Dallas Cowboys. Yup, makes sense. To put the Lions in this spot is so strange. And I think it's even more odd to me uh, when you look at the Chiefs' schedule. So the Chiefs, again, these are their home opponents, which is established, you know, before they actually make the schedule. The Chiefs are playing the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Bills at home this season. I feel like any one of those is like a slam dunk, you know. What about the you know, Chiefs-Bills? That's been a good rivalry the last few years. You know, Chiefs-Bengals, the last two AFC title games. Super Bowl rematch, week one. But they're just, I guess, you know networks must have made various claims to it. That's all is kind of nebulous, how that all kind of shakes out. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like any of those three would have been a better choice to me <laughs> as, a, as a week one opener, and I think just would have a lot more juice. You know, I like the Lions, and I want the Lions to be good, but I think we kind of, you know, we touched on it a little bit, but it just seems like it is, like, a huge spot for them, and it just kind of seems like it's going to be, like, you know... Patrick Mahomes kind of pantsing the lions awful defense. And then Jared Goff like throwing 60 passes in the second half and for like 2.5 yards per attempt. And the way Jared Goff can get, I I just, I I don't, I don't get this opening game. It confuses me (laughs) when there were so many other potential, better options on the table. Uh, I'm sure the chiefs will win. And maybe that's part of why (laughs) they wanted the lions. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I I don't get this game when you have so many other good potential season openers on the table.
2: Yeah. I, (sighs) As a viewer, it'll probably suck if the Chiefs just wax them because it's like, well, I guess I'll just go to bed at halftime, even though like, the NFL is back and I love the NFL. But maybe it's it's not going to be good for the Lions to lose like that, but also maybe all this smoke that's being blown up their butt all off season, it might help that some of that gets uh, deteriorated a little bit if they get, you know, as you so rightly put it. Pantsed by Mahomes and the Chiefs, and so they can kind of fly under the radar a little bit, which is probably where they're better. Um, Bills, Jets, Monday Night Week One is hilarious. Jace put in the note here for that, that I'm just going to riff off to that we've mentioned a little bit. The Jets have five primetime games because Aaron Rodgers is there, and now everybody wants to talk about the Jets. There's no other way this is going to go. It's like there, there's just there's just no way that this isn't going to be anything other than an unmitigated disaster for the New York Jets. I hope it's not, (laughs) because Jets fans deserve better. And frankly, it's fun when other teams kind of rise. And, and, you know, if they're rising, I hope other teams fall, because the AFC is a joke right now. Uh, A joke as in too many good teams. Uh, So hopefully it's not just add the Jets into another team we have to compete with. Maybe somebody falls off a little bit, which will kind of have to happen anyway, based on how the schedule works. But the Jets having five primetime games, that, that fifth one... How angry and grumbly and moaning is Aaron Rodgers going to be on the sideline by that by that fifth one when they're like 500 and they're like a bunch of stupid things keep happening. All of a sudden it's like, oh, man, we're still watching the Jets. The Jets, high expectations this year for the New York Jets, and now they're sitting here at week 12 at 4-11. At and or that, that, that math doesn't add up. You get it. 4-7. and seven. How did this happen? Da, 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 da. Like, I just, for me, that just screams hilarity and not a good way if you're a New York Jets fan
3: yeah you could just picture like the Collinsworth like kind of monologue be like Mike we, we talked to Aaron on Thursday and he is just not pleased with where they're at right now <laughs> and stuff you can um, tell he's
2: frustrated Mike you can tell
3: I mean I think it does speak to you you mentioned it but just to like how bad the Jets have been that like the second they even get a whiff of intrigue. So they uh, apparently the Jets haven't been on Sunday night football since 2011, <laughs> which is like, you know, one of the biggest city in America's two NFL teams. It just hasn't been on, on the, literally the highest rated show every week is Sunday night football in the United States. It seems and impossible. One, <laughs> one of America's, Two teams in New York City (laughs) just hasn't been on it. That's, like, hard to believe. So it's obviously good for the NFL if the Jets are good because there's a lot of interest in the Jets. Um, But I do feel like they are just being kind of rammed down our throat a little bit. Um, But as someone who kind of likes football train wrecks, like, I'm not going to be, like, bad if we just get, like, jets fans booing and like a we want wilson chant that would be hilarious oh my god that'd be so good uh, in like a week like 15 game if rogers has like three picks against like the bills or something um but yeah on top of those five primetimes, times the nfl's also playing on black friday this year for the i think the first time or at least the first time in a long time uh if it's not the first ever and the Jets are in this game too it's like a 3 p.m eastern start the Jets are in that so it's it's like six exclusive window games at least and yeah it's it's a lot so they're obviously uh, the NFL I clearly was waiting to see if that trade got pushed through may have poked and prodded the Packers and Jets to get something done because clearly it directly impacted their scheduling plans um But, yeah, so you'll see a lot of Jets. The other uh, big team, uh, you're going to see, this will shock you, you're going to see the Dallas Cowboys a lot on primetime. By my count, they have six primetime games this year. Uh, So no surprise there. I want
1: to run through the other international games as well because there are a total of five this year. uh, And part of it is just funny because Jacksonville Jaguars play in London back-to-back weeks, week four and week five. Taking on the Falcons and then the Bills, two games in London back to back, different stadiums. First Wembley, then Tottenham. Um, then there's the Ravens versus Titans, October 15th and November 5th will be Miami Dolphins versus Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. That game is just going to be fun. Uh, get the schnitzels out. Uh, get the you know get the beer flowing. That's going to be a like a hundred point game between those two teams. And then November 12th, Week 10, Indianapolis Colts against the New England Patriots, also in Germany. Get the beer ready for that, too, because that's going to be less than 50 points total. Uh, (laughs) Almost guaranteed. For a
3: different reason.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Frankfurt, you you deserve the first one, and then you get the second one. You have to deal with the second one also. Um, (laughs) Go ahead, Jace.
3: The the Jags is just interesting. So, apparently, they were supposed to uh, do these two games in London... um, two years two or three years ago during uh, 2020 which obviously because of covid shutdowns lockdowns all that kind of thing uh it all ended up getting scrapped um so it seems like it's back obviously jaguars are owned by Shad khan who i believe is british right um owns fulham i think uh and uh so it's interesting there's been long rumors about them playing more and more in london Uh, The Jaguars' stadium's being renovated in a a year or two, in which case they're not going to be in, I guess, Jacksonville, or at least in TIA Bankfield for a little while. So keep an eye on that, because who knows where they're going to play while that's happening. Uh, Just something to keep an eye on. So that's kind of interesting, the back-to-backs. And I do, I guess, wonder, because it's obviously the Ravens play at Tottenham the week after... um, I trust they have good grounds crews over there. I'm sure those soccer stadiums are kept in you know, tip-top shape, but I wonder if they really tear up the turf <laughs> um, and the Ravens are just playing on an awful field. That'll just be kind of something to sort of keep an eye on, I guess, after uh, a week, an uh, NFL football game the week before.
2: Just real quickly, we should mention editorial note that Shad Khan does own Fulham, but he is Pakistani-American
3: owner. Yes. Oh. There you go.
1: Just diversified in his uh, <laughs> in his investments. He's holding. <laughs>
3: His, his son runs AEW. He's all over the place. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, nice family. Very nice. Um, all right. So the last thing to go over on this episode is just, let's have a little fun guys. Buy or sell. Uh, I have a list of them for the fellas, and they have not seen most of them. Um, they've seen one, but I'm going to save that one for last because it's the most, uh, hey, you know, just Ravens friendly. Um, it's over-under. It's over-under wins. That's right. I'll, I'll spoil it now. It's it's how the fellas feel about going over or under for their win total. But first, I have some buy-or-sell options uh, for some individual players on the Ravens team. And I'm going to start with the least spicy, and I'm going to finish with the uh, just the spiciest, hottest one. So, number one, buy-or-sell that Marcus Williams has more than five interceptions this season i i have a note here that i wrote for myself that he's an an important, quote-unquote addition to this defense because he missed seven games last year came back for the final month but was wearing the like cast wrap on his hand and wrist and he was obviously still kind of limited uh in his playmaking ability but he's going to be fully healthy fully ready to go does he have more than five interceptions by or sell fellas
2: Marcus Williams has never had more than five five he's never had five interceptions in a season in his career. Got close. To, he would have had more than five with the Ravens last year. He had four in the, in that limited time as Antonio mentioned. But because of the track record, I'll go under. Still still is a contributor and still a massive part of this defense, but maybe not necessarily just in the turnover battle there. I will go under.
3: I I I hate to agree in the name of, you know, audio debate uh, but i think i agree with tim um it does seem like in general and i obviously we were spoiled from you know having the best safety of all time at intercepting the ball um no 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 no, no 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 were... no hold
2: on hold on best safety of all time period period there you go. <laughs>
3: okay. um interceptions are hard and they seem to be you know happening less and less cj gardner johnson led the nfl now he only played 12 games himself but he led the NFL with six last year. So it's not like guys are putting up seven, eight, nine, like, like Reed was doing year after year. It just doesn't happen that much anymore. And um, because of that, yeah, I think I'll go under maybe a push. I could see him getting to five if he plays, you know, he missed seven games. Um, but he was also on a sustainable pace to start the season with like, you know, what he had three interceptions in the first two games. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I, I think it's under that number, but I still think he's obviously very important to what to do. And he will lead the Ravens in interceptions, because obviously Marlon's not, never been a huge interception guy. And I don't trust any of those other people unless Hamilton kind of, you know, takes a big leap. Uh, so Williams definitely will be the Ravens interception leader in 2022, or 23. <laughs> All
1: right, next up, buy or sell. Uh, J.K. Dobbins rushes for more than 800 yards. <laughs>
2: I don't know enough about the Munkin offenses. Uh, Jace, uh, Jace is really hot here. I'm, I'll just go over. Optimistically over, but I don't know if he hits 1,000.
3: I disagree with Tim because he's getting at least 1,200. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Career 5.9 yards per carry average. He's back. The knee is healthy. He is good to go. His agent's been making calls to the front office to get him the ball more. We are going to see a big JK year. You know, he only plays 8 games last year, 520 yards, two touchdowns, still a 5.7 average, 6.0 his rookie year before the knee injury. We're 2 years out. Things should be cleaned up. I am optimistic. He's great when he can play, and I think he's going to put up big numbers uh if he's fully healthy. Um I I'm very optimistic that he gets he cracks he cracks it. not only 800, I think he gets 1000 yards. Man, I hope uh, so.
1: I uh, I didn't chime in on the first one, but I am going to chime in on this one just to just to, you know, just note Contract year for J.K. Dobbins, I'm I'm buying over 800 yards. Uh, by hook or by crook, that guy is going to run his butt off. Buy or and, sell uh,
2: last year with the Ravens, buy, <laughs> If
1: that's what it is, yeah, yeah buy yeah,
3: for sure. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, now this one, ooh, this one I can. There's like the flaming hot Cheetos are on my fingers still from this one. Buy or sell. David Ojabo has more sacks than Odafe Owe. Oh,
2: jerk.
3: So what he has too?
2: <laughs> um. Oh boy. So
1: here, here's 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 <laughs> yes, the only here's I why it.
2: I that was the goal a little, little bit of contemplating. Awesome Silas, <laughs> yeah. Here's why I'm contemplating this. We talk because of the JK thing. The JK thing is the year after the year after the injury. Right, That's when the guy is supposed to be fully healthy and back. This is the year after the the, the injury for Ojabo, which is why it's still questionable that it took him in the second round. If it, if this was the following season, I would say absolutely. I will still say Adafe Owe, so I will sell this, but I don't love it. I don't love it uh, in terms of that. I just think maybe... I know he. I know he got some time towards the end of last season, but maybe he's still trying to get fully, fully healthy, fully adjusted to NFL life and, an, and a speed of an NFL regular season game. And yeah, like Jace, uh, you know, he thinks he's joking, but he's not. Ajabo finishes with one. Adafi Owe finishes with two.
3: I looked it up because I, yeah, I said it as a joke, but Ajabo last year did have one sack in that season finale game. Uh, and OA had three oh my God. all season, so it wasn't too much different. I will say Owe will have more, and that's mostly just of the belief that I'm like, he can't have less than three sacks this year. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I just, I think he'll get more opportunity. They play him all the time, or they were, and they did less and less as the season went along, but... You know, without Campbell there, someone has to kind of play, right, outside linebacker. And I I, I I, think he'll get opportunities, and I'm at least optimistic he'll get to six or seven sacks. I don't think he's ever going to be a real impact player, but I'm, I'm still going to say away. but, you know, if, if Ojabo's as good as people thought he could be, who knows?
1: <laughs> I'm chiming in here. Uh, I am buying the David Ojabo. <laughs> Two games, zero starts, one sack, and a forced fumble. Because the man knows how to get to the quarterback. (laughs) Odafe Elway, 17 games, six starts. The starts stopped because he wasn't effective. One sack. I'm sorry, three three sacks in 17 games. Uh, And I think I'm seeing more and more of he does not know how to get to the quarterback. A lot of it is athleticism. A lot of it is talent. And then there's just something else. There's, like, the 20% that is this just, like, I don't know, desire, whatever you want to call it. And I already saw it from Ojabo figuring things out, you know, four-fifths of the way into the season, basically. Whereas Odafeo, it's been two years now, and it just... <sighs> he can't close, man. He can't close. Like like me, in the first couple of years of high school, he can't close. Uh, Alright. Two more. <laughs> The Ravens have a 1,000-yard receiver. Any of them doesn't matter who it is, but mm-hmm. one of them has more than 1,000 yards as a receiver. Are you buying or are you selling? Sell. Done.
3: Does Mark Andrews count as a receiver in this
1: Uh Yes, I will allow it. <laughs> That's oh. a good
3: point. Still selling. Yeah, me too. I'm still still under. I think Odell will get to like 800 or maybe 900. Uh, if Bateman's healthy that'll eat into it and will help prevent Odell from getting to a thousand. Um, and I think Andrews will end up with like 900. I got
2: it, I gotta see it. I just have to see it. I know everybody's loving the monken thing and he can adjust to any sort of offense and he, he's perfect for these guys and you know Zarebeck writes the piece there's no excuse for the passing game anymore, which I completely agree with. I gotta see it I cannot I cannot stake my reputation on buy until I actually see something from this Ravens offense.
1: Agree, and in theory, if they've gotten so much better at this position with depth, the ball's got to get shared, uh, and you, you know, what a dream it would be if we had three or four players with 700-plus re- receiving yards. <laughs> um, all right, the last one of these sort of, like, player ones before we do the over-under. Let me take a deep breath before I get to this one. <clears throat> Buy or sell? Lamar Jackson plays fewer than 14 games
2: oh boy. so this is optimism kicking in i think all of the weird juju is out of the building like any questions whether you believe it or not of him sitting to save himself uh all of that is gone i'm selling that he's gonna play he might play 14 because he said less than 14 he might play 14 but he ain't playing 13 or less uh so give me give me the sell on that one
3: yeah, I, I I will also sell just because I, I can't, for my own sanity, believe that this will happen three years in a row. <laughs> he just doesn't play in December. Like, I'm like, you know, he he he, he has that tweet and like during the playoffs where he's like, need to be playing in January. And I'm like, we just need you playing in December. Let's make it happen. This is the year everything's going to be OK. Maybe he doesn't play because they locked up. You know, number one seed. Wouldn't that be nice, not play that Steelers game? Um, I He will not play all 17. That is a lock, for sure. And, I, and Tony, I agree with you. He will get randomly sick at least once. Uh, maybe they clinch things. But I, I have to believe he will play more than 14 games. Uh,
1: I'm not chiming in for this. I don't know. I, I'm i I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, I'm very afraid. I, I talked about this last week, or two weeks ago, a little bit, about going back and forth with the, well, now he got the contract, so let's see it. But I'm just, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. All right, the final one, guys. We talked about the schedule for the majority of this episode. There are certain sports books that have the Ravens over-under wins at 9.5, and there are other books that have it at 10.5, which is really just kind of nice if you're in the uh, in the sports gambling field because if you like them you know to win some games you can go find that nine and a half and take it over or if you are a little concerned you can go find the book with the ten and a half and take it under so this is not so much a buy or sell but are you guys going to pound the over 9.5 or are you going to snag that under 10.5 based on the teams that they have to play the travel maybe the Tim's earlier point the depth uh, defensively you know what have we seen from these wide receivers yet what are your thoughts what are your thoughts
2: on the uh the nine and a half ten and a half wins for this team I'm pounding the over nine and a half I'm pounding the over ten and a half this is Woo! at least an 11 win football team and and not you know it's gonna be tough but we're not sweating the final moments of the final game to get into the playoffs this team's making the playoffs and you know we'll see from there.
3: I landed on the same place as Tim. I When I went through the schedule, I had 11 and or 12 wins, depending on how I distributed things. Uh, does that mean the Ravens are going to go 10 and 7 in real life? Probably. Um, but for our exercise, give me the over. Let's get 11. Let's get 12. Um, will that be enough to win the AFC North? I don't know. Will that be enough to get the number one seed? Probably not. <laughs> but, uh, you know... Um, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that this is, as Tim said, an 11 or 12 win team. If everything comes together and you know, there could be bumps in the road, as we said, who knows if the monkin maybe it doesn't work out and that stinks. <laughs> if it doesn't, uh, you have to kind of go back to the drawing board. But, uh, um, I think at least on paper, this is, yeah, an 11 or 12 win team.
1: Last year, the, the most common line for the Ravens over under was 10 and a half. Uh, I was very into it, jumped all over it. The team was a playoff team. Well, they 7-4, and four, heading into the home stretch, and then it all fell apart. And they went 10-7 and seven with a backup quarterback for the last quarter of the season. You you lower that line for me? You, you lower it to 9.5, and, and I get the quarterback on the good contract, on the defense that has Roquan Smith for the full 17 games? The running backs are healthy? The wide receivers exist? Pounding the over 9.5, I'm probably going to stay away from that 10.5 just because uh, I got I got burned <laughs> so bad last year. Over 9.5 wins for this Ravens team to the playoffs. Here we go. It's May. Uh, we will all change our opinions <laughs> five different times over the spring and summer uh, before we get to real games. But it's fun to talk about it now in May. Final thoughts, guys, before we close things out here.
3: Excited. Excited for the season. Excited to have the schedule. Um, it, You know, the... I I think the NFL schedule is always weird it's always kind of a little dumb because we already know the teams that
2: uh, oh it's it's incredibly dumb yeah
3: yeah be playing Um, they do a schedule release show but then each team also releases their schedule individually via Twitter video so that's always been weird Um, so it's a lot of pomp and circumstance for the NFL schedule but what it does it it makes it real it finalizes it this is the schedule you know there can be flexes shouldn't be moving days though uh, barring you know crazy circumstances like we saw in 2020 um it's real and so now you can like definitively look forward to it and i always like that feeling to know like you know week ones against the texans that's not going to (laughs) change between now and uh september so uh that's exciting it's exciting to see it and to start yeah to just run through and do your stupid the wins losses in your head that are always wrong and come out with the ravens as a 14 and 3 team <laughs> uh you know that's how i spend my free time and uh yeah the scenarios where yeah you're like yeah this is how we get the number one seat i love doing all that stuff even if it is dumb and kind of a waste of my own time so, frankly <laughs> but it's fun and uh you know that's why we all do it it's fun and uh um, yeah, so I'm just I'm always excited by the the, the schedule release, um, just because yeah it gives you something to look forward to uh, for when the weather starts to get bad and <laughs> it means it's football season.
2: Um, I would just say we cannot uh, we can no longer blame my optimism on the Baltimore Orioles since we've been recording. Shohei Otani has hit one I think over Utah Street. Um, it's <laughs> slammed into the Boog sign on the back wall, and if that wall wasn't there. It probably would be in New Jersey by now. The score is nine to four in the fifth inning. So, yeah, I'm. Did he
3: hit the? Did he hit the warehouse? Oh yeah,
2: hammered the warehouse. Absolutely murdered the warehouse again. It would have gone through the warehouse if the warehouse was made of something that wasn't you know brick or what have you. Oh uh, yeah. So the optimism is all Ravens. We'll just put it that way. There's the positive spin. <laughs> uh, it is no longer Orioles optimism as of this recording. As of this recording, um, I'm just I'm pumped, man. I can't wait. You know, let's enjoy the summer and all the big events happening there. But football season it's never it's never close enough this time of year for me it's never close enough even with all the good things we got coming up in the summer so i can't wait for j7s and tim Horsey, i am antonio barbera thank you so much for listening to us on pod like a raven
1: let's keep the fun times going all spring all summer go ravens we will see you in two weeks